I must confess, I'm better, but foggy, um, as this thing is wont to do with people. Um, I'll tell you that last two weeks, uh, once again, riding the stream for worship, one of the things that was most, um, I guess I'm surprised the first time, and it's really enjoyable, after worship, as the stream continues, you can hear everybody. Now, you know, okay, I can hear Ian, I can understand Ian's words once or twice, he's a little louder. You can't understand what people are talking about, but just, just, just the liveliness. Um, have you ever come upon a, a brook that's, uh, that really is just bubbling? It was like, and it's just it's very encouraging to me um, hearing uh, the life that God has given us together. I'm getting some sort of wine. You will turn in your Bible, the Bible, to Colossians chapter three. Um, right. I'll read for us, and then we'll offer prayer. Uh, Colossians four. Two down to six. Oh, I need these. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am imprisoned, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Pray with you. Father, I ask that you would give me clarity in speech, that I would preach your son as I ought. We ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts that you would illumine this word for us that you would give us understanding with understanding you would make us able Lord to follow you and to give you the honor that you are worthy of and that you would by this word enable us to enjoy you Father your gifts and your presence Oh, Lord, please use this utterance, use these words. Glorify your Son, we pray in his name. I, I read that broader context there, but I'm going to read again. We're going to focus on verses 3 and 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak.
Christian, listen. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising. And your prayers accomplish it. This passage, um, and we'll be finishing out Colossians the next few weeks, the, the end of the letter, Paul takes up well the topic that we would use for it is mission. The mission of the church. Um, today we're looking at the word and the opening of a door for the word. And, and, and next week we'll, we'll, he speaks about outsiders, which is really interesting. We've gone all the way through this letter and this is the first direct mention of there's the church and then there's outside. And, and there, instead of a door, he talks about salt. And then the end of the greetings, we'll look at that. Mission is done by the church. It's a calling that God's people have together. But the first thing is this. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising. And your prayers accomplish it. Your prayers. Someone who believes in the Lord Jesus and has naught else. The prayer of the person who trusts in Christ for salvation. That accomplishes the advance of the gospel. And you might think, well, Ben, I don't think I prayed that much. I don't know that I prayed that specifically. Maybe I should. We just together prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's the advance of the gospel. And the reason we have the Lord's Prayer is because the disciples went to Jesus and said, Oh, I don't know how to pray. How do we pray? And, and there you have it. It's not some grandeur. It's not some great eloquence. It is in faith, hearing his word and praying. And, and it, it may seem, it may seem beyond your grasp, like, no, that's too big, it's too much. But this is true. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising, and your prayers accomplish it. You know, I, people have different practices. Um, simply to wake up in the morning and to be awake enough to go, I'm, I am awake and I'm glad, I'm thankful, and the Lord's Prayer is in your lap. And you pray the Lord's Prayer. You may do other things. I'm just, that's sort of, you get up in the morning and go to bed at night. And in Israel, there were sacrifices made beginning and end of the day. And that's God's revealed way for the nation, but it also reflects the way we live. We get up and we go to bed. The Lord's Prayer? That's not some small, gosh, I wish it was a real super duper prayer warrior your prayers faith in Christ that accomplishes the advance of the gospel and we do this together um, ponder how this came about but we, we really do in, in American Christianity there really is this idea of a prayer warrior of people who are greatly um, impressive and we think I want to be that and, and 
yes, people pray, and there's some people who pray extraordinarily. The way that you learn how to pray is by praying with others. Corporate prayer. What we do in worship together. Um, Kurt just led us in prayer for the advance of the kingdom. Didn't use that language, but that's part of what he prayed for. You know, we gather Wednesday nights. It's kind of a family night for us. We're kind of talking, and we, we pray. And it may well be, we need to stop and think, that we need to be more purposeful praying for the advance of the kingdom. Um, and, and reasons other than, oh, there's a command here, we've we got to do something as a command. Um, there, 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 there are deeper reasons, and we'll get to that as we kind of work through this over the next couple of weeks. But just for us as a congregation to think, huh, our prayers advance the kingdom. We should do that. We should pray. And the advance of the kingdom is difficult. This is, this is a thing that we have to take seriously. And, you know, there's a sort of simplistic impulse we might have. It's like difficult. Um, God's advancing his kingdom. How can it be difficult? Um, well, I don't think Paul would be asking for a prayer for something that was somehow automatic, something that will... God's there. He's doing it. It's, he asked me, look, look at his expression. Pray also for us. You're, you're praying. The way this life of this congregation and your life as a Christian works is by, by prayer. And we've talked about it. We're going to come back and look at it a little more fully at the end of this. But Paul, he really thinks he needs them to pray. Um. He's not saying, well, you're a Christian. You get a prayer participation trophy too because it doesn't really matter. We just want you involved. It's not that. Pray. And all through his letters, you find Paul asking for prayer and reporting, God has acted because you pray. And so there is real difficulty. That's why Paul asks. And we can express this difficulty simplicity in terms of a door and a duty. What is it Paul asks for? That God may open to us a door for the word. Now, the, the idea of the, the door there, um, you're shut out, you can't get in. If a door is open, the word can enter. And that language is used of particular individuals. Um, and you do, you, you, I've heard you pray that God would open the hearts of people to the gospel. But Paul really is speaking about more, when we, we look at, at the way he speaks in the, the, the pastorals and, and acts, um, Paul has this desire for a door to be opened on a town level. Um, a group of people. He's not, he's, not, he's not just thinking, I want particular people to come to faith. One way to put it, the, the, uh, look at the book of Acts. When the door gets open, things get loud. <laughs> there are riots. Um, in Berea, there wasn't a riot, but you had people getting together over and over, talking, reading, understanding the Bible. And so the word, the word preached, the, the 
he really does stake all of this on the preached word. But when that door is open for the word, the word is not only heard, that word, it, it echoes. You know, and we are part of different I don't know, nodes, networks, the people around us. Um, and you can't make it happen. You can't force it. You cannot kick down a door. But you pray that God would cause the word to be heard here and it echo back and forth among many. That's what you're looking for. That's what, and Paul can't do that. I mean, you can't do that. I, I need to look. Yes, Americans need this warning. You think you can do that. No, you cannot. Paul didn't need that warning. Paul had been to the third heaven. Jesus had spoken to him audibly. He was pretty well theologically educated, as they put it. And he could not open that door. It's difficult. God can open that door. And Paul doesn't say, I'm waiting for God to open the door. Paul says to the other Christians, pray. Pray for us. Us probably is he and Timothy. That is very specifically these people set apart for the gospel ministry. Pray that God will open a door for us. Because I can't do it. It's difficult. And, and this is the point. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising. And your prayers accomplish it. The, the, the second difficulty that he talks about here, we can use the word duty to refer to it. Look how Paul speaks. Verse 4 Pray that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Um, no, uh, you may not make that joke about me, Kurt. Um, clarity. Um, imagine that Paul with all his boldness with all his usefulness like he's, he's seen himself preach the gospel and the doors be open but he says pray that I will speak with clarity and then that clarity it certainly means accuracy, because one of Paul's ways of describing his work is he's a steward. Okay, he's responsible that this all be dealt with the way it should be. It also means attentiveness. When Paul speaks of his ministry, he uses parent language, um, making something clear to someone. You know, you can know 10,000 true things, but when you're talking to someone or a group of people, you want to know what's the true thing that will be a great gift to them. That will ring with a clarity that will enable them to understand. But that clarity also has a boldness, a willingness to speak, to take risks, to, to court the dangers of riots and being despised as a herald. This is Paul. He needs to be clear because he has a duty. And um, next week we'll talk more about the, the, the duty that he has. So we use the language of the ordained ministry, the teaching elder, but um, it's enough now to, to realize Paul, he 
he's responsible to do this. He needs to do this. He ought to do this. He's under an obligation. And he does not carry the impression that he can guarantee it. He really thinks this is difficult. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising. And your prayers accomplish it. That's what Paul is doing here. He wants, he wants to be useful. He wants to be faithful. And so he says, please pray that God would do that with me. Now difficult, difficult, um, that may ring as, okay, that's kind of obvious, that's, that's important. But how is the advance of the gospel surprising? How is it surprising? What does this mean? Look, look at Paul's language there. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a second to talk about this, this word mystery um, because the way we use it commonly. It's not what, what Paul's doing here. Um, we commonly think is, of a mystery as something that's beyond our understanding. It's like, it's just, I can't, I don't know, what is that? We refer to um, the doctrine of the Trinity as a mystery. Um, the doctrine of the Trinity is uh, rich and detailed. The triune God is a mystery. <laughs> There's a, you can understand, okay? There are limits, but but we 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 realize God is beyond us, and He is mysterious, beyond understanding. But but that's not what Paul means by the use of mystery here. Instead of beyond understanding, he means beyond control. It's not a thing that you can sidle up to and you can figure it out, and most certainly it's not a thing that you can say. Well, I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. Let's bring it about. Um, if you go back through Colossians, you'll see that the, the language of mysteries will be common. We'll see references in a second. Um, the mystery of Christ. Um, you can understand there is much to know and we hear in the word, but but you cannot control this. Um we use the word surprise sort of the way Paul is using the word mystery here. Um, you can talk about a surprise where you get shocked. You know, you've all been, you've all been siblings. I'm some of your only children, but if you've been a sibling, you know what a surprise is because you wanted to punch your brother after he did that. And you walk in the room, boom, surprise, shock. Um, but there's another way we talk about surprising someone. And that's a long-awaited gift. I mean, it's a big gift. And it's a, you know it's coming, like Christmas works this way, Christmas presents. You know they're coming and you know your parents hid them somewhere. Um, and you're looking around and, and if your parents are good, you can't find them. And so you ask your parents questions and parents love you, and they're really excited about giving you this thing. So the greatest thing as a dad is to be able to give the hint that they won't understand. 
you ought to give those, those hints. Dad, I don't know what you're talking about. What does a flying saucer in a peanut butter jar have to do with this? And then you get there and they open the thing and they're like, oh my gosh, all the hints, they all make sense. Long awaited. Long awaited. And it's a surprise, not because you didn't know it was coming, and not because you didn't know it was going to be wonderful. It's a surprise because, oh my gosh. It's, 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 it's more amazing than I could have thought. That's the mystery. That's the mystery of Christ. Um, it's sort of like a key that fits a lock. Um, but what if you've never in your life seen a lock? And someone said you gave you a key and said, hold on to this for 10 years. And you've never seen a lock. And someone said, there. Put yet, right? You open it, and there's fabulous wealth. It's like that. Um, turn over to Romans, the very end. It's page 1130 in this Pew Bibles. Because um, partly I want you to see how important this is in Paul's teaching. And also I want you to see the, the pieces in one place. This is the end of Romans. Like, like, how do you end Romans? <laughs> By um, with this doxology. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings had been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, the only wise God be glory forever more. Through Jesus Christ, amen. The revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Okay? It, it's out of control. Alright? It's, it's, it's hidden. But, but, but look what he says real clear. He says, but it's now been disclosed. And through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations. So it's been hidden. It's a mystery. It's, I can't find it. Where is it? Now it's been disclosed. But even before it was disclosed, you have Hebrew prophets. Hebrew prophets. And all the hints were there. All the pointing forward, like, you're a father. You have no idea how wonderful it's going to be. That's the mystery. Not that it was unknown or unknowable, but that it's out of people's control. They could not go and get it. Even having clear understanding, they could not figure it out. And that mystery is Christ. Now, now Paul puts this in here because he's asking them to pray. The advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising, and your prayers accomplish it. And it is surprising. It's, 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 it's amazing. When, when Ian first talked to me about Richard, Ian had no idea that Richard would come to faith. Okay, Richard had no idea that I'd come to faith. 
two men surprised going, what happened? Oh my gosh, that happened to me too. It's a surprise. It's a surprise when a town becomes a buzz about Jesus. Now, the, the reason it's a surprise is it's here in, in this reference to the Old Testament prophets and to all of creation. Um, the Hebrew prophets testify. And for all the people, the Gentiles, those who are not part of Israel, hearing the gospel, a lot of what they hear is in Habakkuk, in Isaiah. This is what God revealed to his people, not y'all, Israel. That's a pretty strange message to go tell the world in a rude and shorthand. Y'all are all completely in the dark. We have a candle. Not the way to show up to be received as one of the fellows. But that's what the Old Testament does. See, uh, the Old Testament really starts with Abraham. That's, that's where this, this covenant first takes, takes, takes root. Who's Abraham? Abraham is nobody. Abraham is, we just had, we just had humanity at its best, the Tower of Babel. And it was impressive. They were going to do things. Well, they're not good things. God scattered them, made them into 70 nations. And just like the conglomerate humanity, each of those nations goes on in darkness. They, 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 they have no reverence or love for God. And God finds this nobody, Abraham, and starts a new nation. He finds a man and says, you're part of this whole wonderful leaf. Nothing of your past. You're starting over. And he's a man who um, God's going to make a nation out of him. So of course he has a barren wife. Um, and even the barren wife, he's coming up in a hundred. These are the hints about the secret. This mystery, this mystery depends on the fact that all the nations are in their stubborn blindness and their sin. And what you see with the prophets is that God, he's, he's not giving up. He's sent people. And, and if you are going to know the living God who, who makes the grass grow everywhere, in Kenya, here, Japan, that God of all things, you will only know him because you hear from the Hebrew prophets. You know, um, we we uh, we read aloud Psalm 110 again today. That's, that's the pivot of Colossians. It's a psalm about Israel's Messiah bringing his reign to all the earth. The gospel is Old Testament. The gospel is from the God Yahweh. No other God. There is no other resource. 
And that's surprising. It's surprising when all the brilliant people, and there are all the brilliant people with all the brilliant ideas, when they say, yeah, the last two millennia of what we've been doing, it, it, it cannot get me to the truth. I need to listen to these people from Palestine. That's a surprise. But it's also a surprise because um, what's going on in those prophets that, that, that are hinting at the mystery is God has called this one nation that there would be a nation of priests and they fail over and over and over. And so this one nation in which God's revelation, his will is written down. Israel is unique for having God's law written and having that law embroidered and built together to make them a nation waiting for the, the mystery. And against that backdrop, they demonstrate that even the people with the greatest resources from God, even the people, as you want to say, with the most help from God, are a wipeout. The mystery is not just fulfillment of God taking a people for himself. That mystery is one that it can, it can rescue anyone. It does not depend on the cooperation, the good intent, the better education, the more knowledge. Israel, Israel demonstrates the need for salvation. And in, Israel demonstrates that what is needed is a salvation from sinfulness. Sovereign grace is all that can happen here. And so Paul, he's preaching something that is a, a shock, a surprise. A what? How can this be to the people around him? And it's rightly a shock to you. It's surprising. It's surprising that God is gathering in the nations. Surprising. Um, if if you planted corn, and the next thing you know is you have a herd of fine Angus beef steers. What? That's the Corn's great. That's good. I don't know if I'm a good enough farmer for that. There's all sorts of things. Turn over to um, Colossians 1, 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you wholly and blameless and above reproach before him. That's a surprise. That's just extraordinary. 
It really is life from the dead. So the, the secret, it's surprising, and that's what, that's what Old Testament Israel makes manifest. It, 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 if you want to understand salvation, you're going to hear it from Hebrew lips. You're going to read it in Hebrew words, and you're going to be told there is a salvation because everyone needs one. And it's a salvation for people who really are hostile in mind. And they really are presented. They really are presented to the Father above reproach, blameless and holy. Now, the, when Paul in Romans, he talks about how this has now been revealed. And part of what goes on, on in Colossians is that the gospel, Paul is excited because the gospel is advancing. And, and, and under all creation, he says, all the, all the world. And part of this mystery is like that, that key for a lock you never knew existed. You see, God created the world. He made the world full of life and goodness. Really, um, maybe throw a bracket, but one of the reasons that you know evolutionary doctrine is both foolish and horrible is that it's built on death. The model of progress there, the way things get better, is we have to have enough deaths and iterations That word, that word it, it has bad associations for us, but in, in, in um, Genesis 1, it talks about swarming things that swarm. Mm -hmm. Just look at all the critters. And, and God made man to serve him by ruling over all of that. And that's what's been read. Still in Colossians chapter 1, you drop down to verse 25. Paul talking about his ministry, the ministry that they, they would pray for, shape our prayers. Verse 25 I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Faith in Christ, faith in Christ is the restoration of that original creation. I say that about the, the, the lock and the, the key and the lock. People look at the world and Evolution makes sense to them. Death and trying to get the best out of it that you can. That's like how things work. Um, knowing how to lie enough to your children. That's how things work. That's, that's, that's the wisdom of this world. Um, knowing how to get more without provoking a, a too much um, uh, protest from others. This is the wisdom of the world. And How can you reverse that? You see, 
Righteousness is not the opposite of sin. Sin is a degenerating, dissipating, undoing. It's not like a loop you can run frontwards or backwards. Um, no. Dead people cannot live again. You cannot hook up enough electrodes and make the dead person alive again. This world cannot be what it was made to be. It's under a curse. Christ has come and yes, he's making all things new. His, his, his own body is the seed. He's dead and now he is alive. Not resuscitated, not recycled. Dead that's what's going on in the world. That's what the advance of the gospel is. And, and see, the advance of the gospel is difficult and surprising. And it is your prayers that accomplish it. And, I, and, I, and prayer, um, what color is faith, I might ask? What color is faith? That's a ridiculous question. I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. It sounds ridiculous to me. What does faith sound like? Well, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Faith sounds like, Father, I can't. I know that you will bless me, please. That's what faith sounds like. I don't have what it takes. I don't deserve for your son's glory and that I might enjoy all of his benefits with him, with him. All right. That's faith. And that's what we do in praying for the advance of the kingdom. Same thing. Because the mystery is Christ. The world is being changed because Christ came and took our responsibilities. He lived the life we are. Took our debts, our obligations. He died the death that we should die, and he rose again. And and that's how Psalm 110 becomes the centerpiece in the New Testament's reflection on the Lord Jesus. So looking back over at three, one. You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Christ to see at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Christ has risen and is seated. He has entered into his rule of all things. There is a time coming when you will be with him physically. There is a time coming when you will be transformed to be fittingly with him physically. But now you are on the earth and here and now what you are seeking is the heavenly things as they're in your grasp here. What you set your mind on is, wait, who is he? What should happen? That's what we're doing here. And that's why we pray for the advance of the gospel. You know, um, the one sort of uh, pushback or wait a second, Ben, that might come up is, 
God foreordained everything. God's sovereign. I, like, isn't prayer just saying the chorus? Um, you know, God's doing things and we're just like, ooh la la. And yes, God is sovereign. Um, what, this is short catechism seven. What are the decrees of God? The decrees of God are his eternal counsel, whereby for his own glory he hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And that gets presented as sort of a, a mind thing, like, well, then praying doesn't make sense. At the end of Matthew's gospel, you have the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptize them. And Jesus says this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Whatever there is to know about providence and decree, and we know some, all of that is in the hands, and I mean hands, they're bones. He's, he, he, he has become a man, and he's doing the work of saving this world as, as the God-man. All of that providence is in the hands of the Lord Jesus who talks to people, who speaks to people. It's a little bit of an extension. Providence is everywhere. So are your prayers. Providence is all-powerful. So are your prayers. Pray that God will open the door. I can't do it. Please, would you pray that he would do that? What we are doing when you get up in the morning and you pray the Lord's Prayer, when we gather Wednesday night and we pray together, but what we are doing is we are worshiping and praising the risen Christ and we are asking give him glory here give success to his kingdom here because we love him he, um, he has solved our, all our difficulties he is our utter world size surprise Father, I ask that you would give us in our conversation and so in our hearts good chewing on your word that you would instruct us. And again, Father, that you would make us able to glorify you and to enjoy you. Make us a blessing. Cause your son's name to be heard more widely and to be inquired about. Open the door. Do teach us to pray. And thank you, your sons.